Bitch Breathe. I'm really happy you're here and that more of you are listening. So it's really nice to have you all here. Today's topic, I have to admit, I skirted the issue for quite a few weeks now. I always usually walk with an idea for a while and try to see if it fits. And then I wake up and I usually know today is this and this topic. But this one, I danced around for quite a bit because I wasn't sure I wanted to get back into it. Uh, it's something we've probably all been through by now in our lives. Something that doesn't, however, have to necessarily get easier. Even though Cat Stevens sings, the first cut is the deepest. Um, I want to argue that in some ways, <laughs> the one that comes much later uh, is a little bit worse. So today I'm going to talk about the breakup. And this will be a double episode at least. I keep thinking of new ways to go about it, so it might even become a third episode, but let's see. So, depending on what the breakup was like, how the process went for you, for you both, um, that's going to determine how you are going to be able to handle the aftermath, right? So, the tools that I'm going to introduce are going to be a little mix of tools that were helpful to me when the breakup was a very conscious one, a very healthy one. Yes, they can happen too. And then there's going to be tools that will clearly be for those of us who went through a rather toxic breakup, a traumatic one. Um, for some of us, they're very sudden. We didn't see it coming or didn't want to see it coming, maybe, um, depending on if we were left or if we left the other person and the whole story around that, how important that is. I left this guy or she left me. And um, yeah, there's so, so much to say about this issue that I really want to take my time and yeah, explore it together with you. That said, here comes the first tool. And this one I called no rules. I find this extremely important. That's why I put it at, at the first uh, place, if you will. Because when my one of my last breakups, there haven't been that many in recent <laughs> times, but there have been some. Uh, one of my last breakups a few years back, Mm, I kept thinking that I should have a healthy and constructive way of working through this. After all, by now, I was a woman in my 40s. I knew breakups. I knew breakups where my child was involved as part of the separation. I knew breakups where there weren't any children. I've had uncomplicated ones, complicated ones. I have a lot of friends. So I thought I sort of knew what to do to have a healthy breakup. That, my friends, was such an incredible illusion that I, um, I tend to smile about it today and try to send a lot of compassion towards my younger self because the truth is it didn't happen in any way that I could have foreseen and it wasn't very healthy at all at times. I was very self-destructive. I don't know how it is for some of you. I didn't start any um, addiction or anything, but for the first time in my life, I could understand why you would. Until that time, I still hadn't fully understood um, 
the destructive aspect of what it means when you suddenly lose someone who, in my case, was everything to me. This was my business partner, of course, my lover, my confidant, my best friend, my trusted person, my favorite person, the person. And I thought this was going to last forever. I really did. I know that sounds um, naive, but why would you get married? In this case, I was married if you don't believe it's going to last forever. And I did. I um, was incredibly in love with this man. And for it to end, I, I didn't know. I, I didn't know how that could have happened. And so I had all these rules of how I was going to go about it. I was going to start a new sport, which I did. I cycled my heart out of my body and my lungs out of my chest um, in, in a cycling place. I um, did a lot more yoga uh, than I did before. That part was okay. And I'm just generally trying to sort of get in shape and get him out of my head if you will. And then the opposite happened. I just bummed it out on my couch all the time. I wasn't eating healthily. I was telling everybody and their brother about just what a douchebag my ex-husband was and how he had hurt me and all these things. And so it felt not healthy. I didn't always sound fair in my narrative. But you know what? At the beginning, even throughout, there are no rules. You do this in whatever way you can to get yourself through the day. Because let's face it, if you're still raising children, if you have a job, which you probably do, and a life or people who depend on you, um, it's going to be hard to break down, right? It's almost like it's not allowed. But the truth is, it is something incredibly essential and traumatic, again, depending on how the breakup got, came about, just occurred. You need to give yourself time to explore all alleys of healing that you possibly can. And you probably know this from experience. Many of these are not healthy. Many of them, however, seem to need to be lived through in order to move forward. So no rules. Do whatever it takes so that you can find a way through this experience. And that, of course, brings me to my tool number two, the support group bring them in. You've heard me say this in so many episodes, bring in your sisters, bring in the mothers, the grandmothers, everyone who is close to you and who, who will allow you to narrate and vent and be completely uncensored. This is very, very important, I feel, this aspect of non-censorship, because I was already being so strict to myself about how this should be going and why am I not pulling myself together that it was so nice to spend time with women who demanded of me to soften around all my ideas of how this was supposed to go and who listened to my story over and over and over at all times of the day. They were there for me. They listened. They didn't grow tired of what I was saying. They vented with me. And if I wanted to name call my ex-partner, they name called him with me. They told me that, yes, that this was absolutely right. Again, it doesn't matter right now who was right or who was wrong. What matters is the support. What matters is that someone is backing you up. And that's the support group. And while I'm at the topic of support, I also want to say something about getting professional support and professional in the sort of widest sense. So this is tool number three. 
See if you want to look into coaching or therapy. I don't care if you go to a shaman, whatever it is, but try to maybe find someone who mm, works through this with you in a professional way. I don't really like the word professional around this, but I guess what I mean is someone who can accompany you on this journey, who has seen this journey happen over and over and who has made it their business to help people through these transitions. Because after all, this is what this is. This is um, a transition. You're managing a change, a major one. And there are people out there who know a lot about that. Um, they don't know better than you how to handle this because every breakup and every love story is so individual. But they will have some, I guess, tools uh, to maybe move you through it. I don't like in this context the idea of moving forward because it's sort of an imperative we often feel we have to have like, okay, I'm going to move forward with this coach or I'm going to move forward with these and these new habits and hobbies. And the truth is, you don't have to move at all at that time. But you may need help. And that's what this coach or therapist or whatever other person you pick is there for. Tool number four, stay at your friends' houses, even overnight. So this is something I did a lot because when I first returned to sleeping alone, I went through all these cliches. I mean, how many love songs have we heard where the bed is too big after our partner's gone or um, the nights are so lonely and so long and so dark? And I went through all that. The nights were lonely. I cried and cried. As you know, um, you listen to all the songs just to help you get the tears out even. And it's incredibly cathartic. I definitely recommend crying all over the place all the time. But at some point, I realized... I I don't even want to go home sometimes. It's it's too quiet there. Um, that There's no one to even get on my nerves. And sometimes it was so quiet at the house that I thought, Jesus, even fighting was better than this. And so what I would sometimes do is I would just um, crash on my friend's couches and stay there overnight, spend entire weekends there. And that was really, really nice because the side effect... And you've probably witnessed already uh, during some of your breakups, the side effect of losing a partner is the deepening of the relationship to your friends. For me, I hadn't really understood what true friendship meant, how it can hold you, how it really is better than family in many cases. And that's what happened. This staying at friends' houses overnight and really spending significant chunks of time with them, my friendships were never deeper. I never, never had those kinds of deep spirit conversations that I did during this time. And that brings me to tool number five. Keep the lines of communication open with this ex-partner and use them if it's possible. This is a big if this is one of the tools that unfortunately will only work if there's some degree of cooperation between you. In one breakup that I'm speaking about, and that in fact most of what I'm talking about today is based on, the lines of communication were not open. In this case, I decided to leave. And keep in mind, I'm not saying that for uh, reasons of controlling the narrative, because I don't think it matters who leaves and who is left, because one person makes it impossible to leave. 
the other person makes it impossible to stay. It, it, that's just logistics to me. But if you are in a situation where the lines of communication are not open like it was for me, it's going to be very, very hard. And I'll probably talk about that particular aspect in the next episode. In this one, I do want to talk about the situation when they are open. So if conversation is possible, if you can step into dialogue with your ex, this is something I did in um, another long-term relationship that I had, then do so. Don't abandon each other. If your relationship was a longer one, you will have, you will have played many roles for each other. Your lives will be quite a bit entangled in terms of children, friendship circles, property even, bank accounts. There's going to be so much to disentangle to make a life that had been joined together into two lives again, that keeping this conversation going is going to be not just essential on the logistical side, because it is. Uh, don't even get me started on, on lawyers and, and the court and stuff. But you also have emotional needs. There's a lot of why why did we arrive at this point? What happened to us? Hey, do you have an explanation for why you said this? And how come this makes me feel so and so? So to really not abandon each other, you who have been so important to each other for such an amount of time, there's no need for that. There's no need for the overnight breakup there's no need for the, we are now separate and we shouldn't talk to each other anymore. In fact, even if you have a new partner or something, and this new partner were to say, why are you still talking to this person? Why? Because this person was important. And a relationship doesn't just end because you're no longer sleeping with each other, because you are now in two separate apartments, especially if there are children involved. We really, really, really need to talk to each other and to keep the love that we had even as it's been transformed into a different kind, but to keep that at the center of our conversations so that the engagement can be one of, I guess, conscience, conscious encounter as opposed to becoming public enemy number one to each other. Tool number six, don't look them up on social media. That is something that I continuously, I broke this rule that I had set for myself in that way over and over. I couldn't stay away. I had to see what he was doing. Of course, at some point, pictures of the new gal showed up and I was raging. I was raging and I was grieving and I, I could not, I could not stop myself from looking at his new life because looking at mine meant falling apart on a minute to minute basis. And I, I, um, I didn't want to look at my life. I didn't think there was anything promising going forward to be in it. And so I would focus on him a lot. And I'll get to that part also in the next episode about the them versus us. But I kept looking at these pictures and I was so hurt. I had so much pain sometimes that when I looked at the picture, I just, I, I just, I couldn't even say anything. I was so shocked at his life seemingly moving forward in a seamless and emotionless way. When you see these pictures of this new person in their lives, it's, it's just, it's not going to help you. I know I can't stop you from looking them up on social media. And I know you know the effects it's going to have when you do. But I will tell you that once I did manage to follow through, keep in mind this was a lot later 
than the time of the breakup. So this one took me a while and I totally, I think everyone understands when we don't manage it. But when I did stop, I was so much better. It was a feasible, it was a visceral change because now I had really stepped out of a certain contact. And again, if you have sort of a conscious uncoupling, I think as it's sometimes called, maybe this is very different for you. But if it was in any way traumatic, toxic, unexpected, or any of those things, don't look them up. It really, really is only going to bring pain. Tool number seven, rebounds. They'll happen, but they won't heal. That was my experience. I was so hoping for a rebound when I separated from my husband back then. I was like, gosh, just serve me up any old guy. I really don't care. I just really need to stop feeling all this grief. I need my body to be used in a way that stops me from feeling all of it so profoundly. I just wanted to stop feeling and I couldn't get a rebound. I can literally... <laughs> I couldn't get laid is basically what I'm saying. I think I had so much grief around me and my aura was so full of sadness and anger, and I'll get to anger in the next episode for sure, that I think anybody who would come within a, you know, two foot pole uh, distance to me, I'd have been like, dude, <laughs> get out while you can. And I think that was... um uh, felt around me. But uh, I think a while into the breakup, this was a long while now, uh, I finally did rebound. And a rebound it was still because nothing of um, or s most of what I was still dealing with was still here. And for the moment, it felt so much better. I felt desirable again. Um, the sex was it was okay. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't fireworks, but, you know, it served its purpose. And it served me on so many levels that I don't want to say don't rebound because on many levels, it did feel better for a moment. Even if it was a bit of a band-aid, it did. And it felt good to be in the company of a man in this case, again, um, and to to be listened to. This was a, a, a person I had known for a long time, so it wasn't like a completely new guy. And to really feel like they understood that what how I had been treated was not fair and in my eyes. And um, yeah, so there was some healing. I don't want to pretend that there wasn't. But mostly, I just started a new relationship that then became quite an interesting replica of the one that I had left before. So go ahead, rebound, don't rebound. There could be some healing, there might not be at all, but really maybe looking at the option and wondering, is this really what serves me well? And hey, if it doesn't, <laughs> know that you are in good company with this particular lady over here. Okay, tool number eight. Big one, focus on what you need to get you through the day and to get you through this phase. So during the breakup, I was often very focused on the other person, what they're doing right now, how shitty they behaved, um, why I think they should have done this, that and the other. And then I started judging because I looked them up on social media, judging what they were doing. Oh, please, they're doing this, that and the other. And I was so focused on the other person, 
on what they must be thinking, what they're doing wrong, and how they're not handling the situation in an optimal way, when this energy, which was a lot, should have all gone towards myself and my healing. So this is something I've noticed in girlfriends too when there's a breakup. We always often talk about he or she, depending on who your partner was, um, oh, um, he's doing this and he's doing that and I can't believe, can you believe he said this and then this happened and I don't know, do you think he maybe he thinks this and it's like, you know what, as painful as this is, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter so much anymore what this person thinks. And I think when I first realized that it doesn't matter anymore, that just sent me into another wave of grief because I realized it's none of my business anymore. This person is no longer my business. We are not each other's lives. Now, granted that that is a painful insight, it will free up the energy that you can then direct towards you. And with this, referring to tool number one, no rules, do whatever. Going out with friends, going for a meditation, uh, class somewhere, going for walks, borrow somebody's dog for all I care and just get out, really um, uh, find ways to deal with yourself and know that whatever energy you put into yourself is what's going to propel you forward if we want to talk about the forward motion at this point, right? So really taking the conversations that we have, the energy that we're spending back Take it back, unhook from this other person bit by bit, unplug this cable that connects you to them, unplug that one, and keep plugging back into you. And the last tool for this episode, and this I found super, super helpful, is that there is no linear progression of how this breakup process will go. So you've probably heard all about the five stages of grieving. I can't name them all, but I know that some of them are acceptance and anger and grief and then moving on or whatever it is. Yes, these all come up. But at least for me personally, and I'd love to hear from you how it was or is for you, they don't come in a linear progression. I'm not first angry, then grieving, and then I move into acceptance. For me, it was different. I was grieving for a long time. Then I got really, really angry. The acceptance came, I don't know what felt like 10 years later. It wasn't. It was a lot sooner. But they keep, mm, they keep alternating and sort of circling. And so that's why I didn't find this to be a linear progression. I found it to be circular and meandering and retreating, going back and forth. And the progression, because there is one, even if it feels stuck and it feels old and you can't listen to the sound of your own crying anymore, there still is progression. But it's a, th a little bit more like, like an ocean, I guess. There's the ebb and the flow and the waves come in, they come back out again, they look familiar because you think you've been here before, but no, it's a new wave. It's a new stage. It's a new stage of anger, even if you've had five stages of anger. Um, it's a new stage of grief, even if you've cried through, I don't know, 365 nights of that year. It doesn't matter. Let's try to not be so concerned with wor working and walking through all these stages. 
but instead accepting that this is the stage I'm in right now. I'm really angry. I'm really grieving. And I don't know the way forward. So really, as much as we can, going through the process as authentically as we feel it. And listen, if you get stuck somewhere for a really long time, if something seems super repetitive, speak to your friends. Tell them, do you think I'm stuck? Or probably if you have, I have one good friend, she's super direct, she will give it to me straight all the time. Ask that person and then maybe see if there's a, a way out of that particular stage. But my experience with my girlfriends, um, even my mother, um, other older women in my life has always been that there is no rhyme or reason to how this thing moves forward. It just is. All right. So I realized about one or two tools into this episode that there's so much more I could be saying about this. And There's so much more to talk about, which I really want to do in the next episode of this. But until then, treat yourself right, stay healthy, and hopefully we'll hear each other soon.